Bolain, who speaks to us from Bloemfontein. So, Norma, let's first talk about the mood inside the courtroom and uh, the kind of interest uh, that we've observed outside of the courtroom as well. Yes, good afternoon, Teddy. So basically, I think, um, you know, the, the interest in terms of international media definitely died down quite a bit, um, seeing that there weren't that many journalists, um, you know, at the Supreme Court of Appeal as there was, you know, in the North Korean High Court during the trial last year. Um, only 60 journalists were uh, given accreditation to be inside the court versus the 200 who were sitting in the two courtrooms at the North Harding High Court. So it does seem as if, you know, interest has died down a bit, and we see that some people were relying more on feeds. Um, also, public interest hasn't been that much as well. A lot of the you know, members of public who are walking past the SCA were actually even asking, like, what's happening here today? Why do we have so many broadcast bans? And um, even on Twitter and social media, people haven't been, you know, engaging that much in the appeal. I think maybe once, the, you know, the judgment is handed down, the interest will spark again because then we'll, we'll see that people are wanting to know whether or not um, there is the, the possibility of Oscar Pistorius returning to jail. And speaking on that, um, the, the judges were speaking about whether or not... Um, Judge Kozila Masita actually um, interpreted the law correctly when she was applying the um, question, the principle of Dolis Wallace, which is the indirect intent to kill someone where you, the um, accused sees that his actions are illegal but still goes ahead with those actions. So um, Justice Eric Eric um, Leach actually asked this question um, on on Masita's interpretation of Dolis Wallace. This is her analysis of what the issues were in regard to Dolus Eventuanus. And were they correct? I will submit they weren't if I may explain it. If I may make the submission. Because that doesn't seem to me to be Dolus Eventuanus. Because there, and this is where the area in persona comes in, there the whole definition of Dolus Eventuanus is defined solely with reference to Reba. Whether he knew she was in the toilet at the time he fired the shots. And is that not a misdirection of law? I, I submit not. Because she goes on to immediately find that this court does not support the state's convention that this could be dos eventualis. On the contrary, the evidence shows from the onset that the accused believed that at the time he fired the shots into the toilet or the deceased was in the bedroom. But he can be convicted of murder on the basis of dolus eventualis even if he did think that she was in the bedroom because his criminal intent is defined as the person, whoever that person might be, in the toilet cubicle. So was this not a misdirection of law? Yes, um, Advocate Bayrou basically answered saying that you know, Masipa did interpret interpret the law correctly because she was um, she made the fact finding that um, Oscar Pistorius had invited and felt that he was in danger when he shot those uh, four uh, four shots into the door. I, I I submit not, and the reason why I say this because that's one part of her finding, and it must be read with the factual findings before you can't, it can't be isolated with respect, Justice Leach. And if I may explain... Well, I need some explanation yes. as to why what she says is the test that she has to deal with with those yeah. eventualists can be correct. If, if, it seems to me to be not. If, if I may first summarise and then I will go yes. back in more detail. 
The trial court, in analysing the evidence, first rejected the Dolus Directus approach. And in finding there, she found, made two crucial factual findings. The one factual finding was that he genuinely believed that he was in danger. That's the one factual finding. The second factual finding... Well, I'm not sure if that is so, but if you can draw me... I, I will refer to the passages. Of the, of the findings. But it's accept that if I may just yes. give an overall approach. Yes. So the one factual finding that she made is that he genuinely believed that he was in danger and was acting in danger. The second factual finding was that he genuinely believed that the deceased was at the time of the firing of the shots in the bedroom. Yes. And, and that can't be ignored, those two factual findings. No, I understand that. Now, it was in the context of that, when she considered Dolus eventualis to say... Because it can't be isolated from the state of mind of the uh, respondent. And that's why she correctly, she absolutely correctly referred to error in persona or error in objective. But say, that that's not what it's all about. Because if I may use an example, if I shoot someone thinking it's A that's going to attack me, and I really believed I'm under attack, error in objecto does not come into it. Whether the person was A or B or C, it does not matter. And that's what the trial court was at pains to say. She said, I look at error in objecto and I understand. I understand the principle of error in objecto. If I shoot someone and I have a mistaken identity, that, an identity, that in itself cannot be a defense. Which makes my difficulty even more pronounced, that she did correctly set that out earlier, but when she comes here... And this is her finding. These two pages are the findings upon which the whole case turns, insofar as Dolus Eventualis. She never deals with anything effectively but Dolus Eventualis is excluded because he did not know that she was behind the door. Yes, and um, earlier in, in, when the proceeding started, um, Advocate Harry now began his argument saying that uh, Judge Solazila Masipa, who handed down the culpable homicide conviction to Oscar Pistorius, did not take into consideration a lot of the circumstantial evidence, especially that by the state ballistic expert Chris Mangana, who was speaking of you know, the angle of the shots and how he thought this um, proved that uh, Oscar Pistorius had intent to kill whoever was behind the door. Before you evaluate the evidence, there's the trial of law, the principles, the legal principles in evaluating the evidence. Then you make factual findings, and then it's a trial of law again in applying substantial law. So, if that is so, we say that the court erred in a hat as the trial of law to understand how to apply circumstantial evidence. And that is a legal question. But if the court did not apply the principles regarding circumstantial evidence, and ignoring evidence, that's a legal question. We, we say that it's so important that if she took into account the evidence of Van Staden and Van Rensburg, if she took into account about the condition of the room, if she took into account that if the scene as depicted on boat to 55, I'm sure everybody knows, I can refer the court to the record if, if need be, if she took that into account, it's the fan, the duvet, and the denim. 
It's impossible. I go so far, Justin Barty has to say, the court ignored the evidence, the most important circumstantial evidence that will make the accused version not reasonably possibly true, impossible. If it did not happen, as he described, how he woke up, how he walked, how he moved the fans, then it did not happen how she left the bed. But the court just ignored it, and that's the most important issue. Mr. Now, what I find more troubling is how she dealt with Mangena's evidence. Indeed. She finds that he's an excellent witness, and what, if one reads the record, it's quite impressive on the cold record without having seen the witness and so on. But then you don't understand how she gets to where she does with the fact that she basically accepts what the appellant, what, what, the, what the accused said, that if he had wanted to kill, he would have shot higher. Now, that is completely contrary to Mangena's evidence and his reconstruction. Indeed. So, I mean, the two never meet anyway. That the sick. finding that he's an excellent witness and he was never challenged, correctly so, and the ultimate finding in basically accepting part of the version of the accused. The two never meet, and, and that to me is very troubling. Indeed, uh, just On the point that you're just making now. Yes, that was um, Judge Stephen Majid. Stephen Majid basically questioning um, how uh, Judge Shosile Masipa dealt with um, the circumstantial evidence by Chris Mangana and how she reached her judgment mm. in the Oscar Pistorius trial. Now, but just very briefly, when is judgment expected? But also, if you could just briefly touch on what was speculated over earlier on, and that is the fact that uh, uh, there was a conversation caught on the live mics about winning or losing the case. Yes, um, you know, basically um, the judgment is expected before term wraps up, which is the end of this month. So um, most likely two to three weeks before, uh, two to three weeks from now, we should expect a decision on whether Oscar Pistorius' um, conviction will be overturned or if the, you know, it could be um, made into um, a retrial or they could um, dismiss this application. But moving back to, to the conversation, um, apparently um, the, the mic for the live feed was still on and um, Barry Rue was, was, was having a short conversation with Harry now saying that, you know, he, you know, from what he saw today or what, what transpired, you know, he, he knows that he's lost a massive fight. All right. Noma Bolani is our reporter speaking to us from Bloemfontein, where the Supreme Court of Appeal was sitting earlier on. 24 minutes past four. Rob Ben, how's it looking up there? Traffic on SAFM.